Welcome to episode 188 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. This will be our first episode of 2024. So we're wishing everybody a happy new year and for great things to happen in 2024. And I think we have some great things planned as well. We'll hit our 200th episode here in a couple months and have booked out for lots of great people to come on. And we're really excited for this year. I I am ex- extremely excited for this new year, yeah. and uh, it's, uh, wow, 200 episodes coming up. It doesn't seem like that long, but uh, I know. it is. It's going to be here in in, in March, I think, it will hit uh-huh. 200 episodes, which is yeah. wild. Never yeah. thought we'd make it make this it long. <laughs> I know. I know it's funny to me. My um, my daughter was one when we started, so and she's about to turn five, and I feel like she's the only four year old who like knows the word podcast. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like, mom, you need to go do a podcast because it's just kind of been a staple. It happens once a week in our house, <laughs> so right. kind of a different perspective than most four year olds, I think. Well, uh, do you have any resolutions you want to share? Oh, I don't know if I've really thought about it much yet. I'm not a huge resolution person. I just kind of like, I like to focus on what I'm already doing, if that makes sense. And like, instead of telling myself the ways that I'm failing, because that's (laughs) been something that I've struggled with and that perfectionism is something I've struggled with. I kind of like to reflect more on like, what am I already doing well? So I guess Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, when we talk about with our students that it's better to go from a strength-based thing than a just thinking about what they can't do. So I like to approach myself that way as well. So I think just, you know, and I think one of the things I really wanted to do this year was um, in the last two years, I had kind of, you pick a word for the year and mine was Mm -hmm. connect. And, Mm -hmm. and which is also, you know, part of three C it's one of the C's of three C. So that works really well, but I moved somewhere new. I didn't know a lot of people. And in the last two years, I've really tried to focus on that connecting and connecting with people, you know, doing Mm -hmm. two two years of ASHA presentations, which I never thought I would have done and really loving to connect with people in person more. And so I don't know, that would be, I guess, more than New Year's resolutions. I do New Year's reflections. (laughs) Reflection. I think that's a good, good thing. I think that's good advice. Focusing on your strengths and how can you continue to increase those areas Mm -hmm. of strength? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a really good way to approach it. And uh, I, I, I think you are a natural connector. You really do that well. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm learning a lot from you, especially with Instagram and, and all the stuff <laughs> that you're doing and uh, the, the international connected uh, connections that you have all over the world <laughs> and all through Instagram, uh, your, your, your army of connectors out there. Uh, it, they've been very helpful to us to get a, a lot of those people onto the podcast. So keep connecting. Yep, yep. <laughs> so speaking uh, speaking of connecting, we were uh, 
I think Gila had sent us uh, our guest today. Uh, it's uh, Lilis Nolasco Garcia. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, focus on this pod- this episode on working with AAC and doing that through telepractice. And she's uh, also bilingual. And we will definitely have her back on to talk more about uh, AAC and, and working with bilingual children. But uh, she has a lot of information to share. We want to congratulate Presence for reaching the incredible milestone of 6 million remote evaluations and teletherapy sessions. Presence is a pioneer in special education and mental health teletherapy, and they're making a real impact in solving the national shortage of school clinicians with nearly 10,000 pre-K to 12th grade schools supported across the nation. At Presence, they're on a mission to empower schools and clinicians by breaking down the traditional barriers to success through their elevated approach to teletherapy. As a trusted partner and advocate for clinicians since 2009, Presence offers its large community of teletherapy providers access to an award-winning platform with assessment and therapy materials, continuing education, and networking opportunities to help them succeed. Through ongoing clinically-led resources and support, Presence is meeting the needs and creating career opportunities for clinicians today, wherever they are. Presence is teletherapy elevated. Learn more at Presence.com. Well, Elise, welcome to the podcast. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself a bit? Yes. Um, I First and foremost, I'm very uh, grateful, very thankful for the opportunity. Um, I had listened to, you know, a lot of good things about your podcast within the field. And so being here to me is like, actually an honor. I really feel um, grateful for it, <laughs> you know, to be able to share a little bit of what I'm doing. Awesome. Um, so I'm Elise uh, Nolasco Garcia, and I have been a speech and language pathologist um, all together in the field for 25 years. I started as an assistant to speech and language pathology. And uh, then, of course, you know, got my master's and my certifications. Um, I'm currently licensed in three states. Um, My, you know, state where I live, uh, Texas, and also in California, where where I do most of my uh, practice, and uh, Oregon. Um, So I also, you know, have some, you know, students there. So how I got here, um, I have to give all credit to my husband. He has been an amazing support. Without his support, um, you know, we, you know how life gets in the way you're in school. Then, you know, all of a sudden you have a family and you got to work, you know. So um, he was working three jobs so that I could do my dream, which was this. Um, and, you know, years later, it's. It's been a journey. Uh, it's been amazing. I feel very lucky. I recently was um, going through my website. I have a website for fun, like hobby, where I go and do a little blogging. I add resources that are free. So I was reviewing some of my like past blogs. Um, I started it like maybe three to four years ago. It was before the pandemic. 
And I read one that was talking about where does our passion lie? And I shared it with a lot of my colleagues recently because, you know, you get busy with calendars and events and meetings and testings. And so sometimes you feel so stressed. And so I went back and read it and I got like really energized again. I haven't lost my passion. I think I'm very fortunate in the way that I tell people, this is my calling. This is a blessing. This is like the most amazing thing that I could have ever come across, speech and language pathology. And of course, telepractice came in a few years later. Um, I have had, you know, the opportunity to work in the medical, in the schools. I have done supervision. Um, so a little bit of everything. And about eight years ago, we uh, had in the area, you know, those tropical storms. I live close to the water. Mm-hmm. And it was um, Harvey really did a lot of damage to our area. It really left schools like without buildings where to teach or damaged buildings. And at that time, I was doing contract work with the schools. So it was really scary because, you know, when you depend on your job and that is like, you know, your bread and butter. And it was just really um, a time that I thought, well, you know, I keep getting these emails about telepractice (laughs) and let me explore. So I applied and it took a while. You know, the company, the first company that I came across was very thorough. I'm still with them at the, at the moment doing contract with them. And so what happens there is that it's like an opportunity, like a window that opens, you know, like it's like mm-hmm. when one door closes, another one opens. And that's how I came into telepractice. And in the schools, my passion had always been bilingual, you know, AAC. And then when I was in the medical doing mostly geriatric, um, working with, you know, patients diagnosed with dementia, after stroke, swallowing disorders, um, traumatic brain injury, which are areas of passion for me there in that, you know, uh, setting. Anyway, when that happened, I was trying to find something that would still allow me to put my bilingual, you know, knowledge and also my AAC knowledge. And it was a time of need. So, um, as soon as I began, I was very worried about AAC. How am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Bilingual stuff is different, you know? You can do it anywhere. And then I thought, wow, how am I going to do this, you know, uh, through a computer? How do you, you know, because when we're doing, you know, the brick and mortar, as we call them, and you're doing face-to-face, you know, you have the students sitting next to you or sitting across and I was really worried. So I'm always very analytical and always trying to find my own answers. So I search Mm -hmm. and search. So I did a lot of reading, a lot of, you know, um, articles and suggestions and, you know, how are we supporting these? How long had telepractice been around and how do you do that? And and it's funny that I'm saying that too, because I'm working on a presentation for, uh, I do some clinical workshops too for different companies for telepractice presenting on those topics, AAC and bilingual uh, populations. So I was looking at those years and I'm like, wow, 
You know, AAC has been around for like so many years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He was talking about like the 19th century before the 19th century. So anyway, at that point, I was like, wow, what am I going to, you know, how am I going to support it? So I read a lot and it talked about, you know, this was before the pandemic. This was in 2016. So um, I remember that I said, well, I think that, you know, with the apps that they were coming on and Apple and talking about innovation, because when, mm -hmm. when I was doing my slide presentation this morning, it was talking about the very first AAC um, machine that they actually considered to be a device was like in the 1920s. And it was right after the Morse code. And then the AAC, uh, first AAC knowledge was fine language. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. So anyway, at that point, I was like, oh, I need to see what's out there. So in the schools, I was already utilizing you know, technology like the iPads. I was utilizing apps already. I had pretty much categorized apps by, you know, you know, pragmatic language, bilingual apps, everything, everything that I could find. So I'm very organized that way. So I had done it that way. So then when I came to Delapitis, I was like, wow, how am I going to do it? So I had read about the external cameras and they I did it right away. I bought my external camera. I had my iPads ready. And so I began my journey. And the one thing I started getting a sense of or a feeling or, a, you know, assessing, I, I felt like, you know, when I was assessing in brick and mortar for, you know, AAC, for bilingual students, it's very similar. And You know, what I was doing with the accept of, of course, we can get into bilingualism. That's another topic, but all about dynamic, all about informal. I'm so like big about that. But with um, AAC, what I started, you know, to notice is that there wasn't really a framework. There wasn't really like a set guide for assessments in AAC through teletherapy. So I started doing more research, more reading, of course, workshops. I enjoy attending as many as I can. Uh, and I try to pick those that are relevant to what I love, you know. So I ended up remembering back to my graduate school, too. My master's is from Texas Women's University. So I remember we did have the opportunity to take an actual AAC course that was part of our our program. And so I remember um, the models that they taught us about the models of, you know, AAC and, you know, putting things into practice. And so within those models, um, they talked about, you know, there's different programs like the date that we have in Texas. There is also, you know, uh, the Wisconsin, which is the Wadi. And mm -hmm. I fell in love practically with the framework of the Wadi and how they had it set up. And so then I had done it in the school. So then I thought, well, you know, this is an opportunity to like make a framework to like step-by-step -step guide. So mm -hmm. I did that. And with that, um, with the company that I, I am with and have been for the past eight years, among other companies, um, I had a strong circle of SLP supporters that, 
you know, um, they saw my work. Um, they saw my AAC assessments that I was doing, my reports, and they said, well, you know, it looks like you're like doing something great here. So they um, started like, you know, asking me to do clinical trainings in those topics. And so I did that for four and a half years and I stopped because I got really busy. I'm going back to it again in January doing another one of the AAC Essentials presentation. But anyway, to me, it has been more of the journey of um, you read, you kind of analyze, you kind of plan it, you apply it, and then you see if it works. And then <laughs> you right. take, and you add, you know, just like what we do with, in all our areas, right? Mm -hmm. um, so no, I have found it to be, I don't know, it, it's to me, it's amazing. I don't think I could ask for a better job or opportunity or career or path um, where you actually work with, a, you know, a student and you have come across cases that before you did anything with them, like before you did the assessment, before you figure out what they needed. They had very little to none. That's what that that worried me when I started doing, you know, the guide for AAC assessment is that the more I explored, and I had a lot of um, opportunity. I do about 200 to 250 evaluations per year. Um, wow. And in teletherapy. <laughs> I'm a machine, I tell you. In teletherapy. <laughs> um, I always tell that to, to my peer SLPs, and I don't mean it in any like way, but I literally I choose to do it that way. I've done it that way. My dad was that way. My husband, I think, is that hardworking within us and our culture, you know? <laughs> Being, mm -hmm. I, I'm originally from Honduras, and um, my husband is from, you know, he is from Texas. Uh, you know, it, there are the people that were here, you know, before the flags were planted and all that stuff. Um, and so they're hardworking people. And I think it has been that my work ethic. And so I'm always searching, exploring, applying. But um, I do feel that it's, I, I just don't have words to describe um, the opportunity when you have cases like a student where they will tell you, and it has happened so many times, you know, they're in high school. That's the one that breaks my heart the most. Um, they're children that are in high school. They are adults about to go out into the world. The ones that they, you know, know that, you know, they got to be in school until they turn 21. And they, you know, and I had one particular case that comes to mind. They had said, you know, um, we're wanting an AAC assessment, the parents were pushing for an AAC assessment because they thought she could give more. And so when I did all the parent interviews, when I did, you know, the teacher interviews, um, I was getting like mixed, you know, information. So the, the school was supportive. They're like, yeah, we want to see what else she can do. You know, all she can do right now is just touch, touch, you know, those uh, touch devices, just buttons and I think she just likes to socialize. Like she's happy just if you're with her. She's just doing it for like wanting attention and socialization. And 
the parents were like, no, we think she really wants to communicate other things, you know. I did the AAC assessment through teletherapy and we tried different things. The one thing I've realized with AAC assessments in teletherapy is that, you know, you got to break it down. You got to break it down into small little sessions. I always tell when I'm doing these presentations and workshops, I tell them they're like mini therapy sessions. You're having fun with them. You're, you're doing fun things with them because you're trying to get to the bottom of that feature matching. You know, when you're matching them to these devices, you want to pick and select the one that is so personable to them. It's the one that you see those little eyes shine. I have lots of stories on those, but I don't think we have enough time within the hour to go through them. But this particular one case, was that young lady in high school where they were saying, oh, you know, it doesn't really give us much, mom and dad are saying. So I did the AAC assessment. And as soon as we started trying out the AAC apps, because um, I had tried different things. And so with her, what ended up being, because she had fine motor difficulties, I had done a select and scan, um, you know, button that was wireless and would activate any AAC app. And so we got one that was a little bit in, in between, not a robot system, not something too high tech because we wanted it to explore. So we were in the middle, like mid tech. And once we started her, it was like so rewarding. Like the day that she, and I always talk about that story because it really gets like, it gives me goosebumps. So um, she was pulling her hair, you know, tugging. Uh, cerebral palsy was the medical condition. And she had, you know, better um, abilities than fine motor with her right hand. So she was pulling, tugging on her hair with the head down like this. And I told the mom, said, does she have a headache? Is she okay? And the mom said, uh, and these sessions were happening during the pandemic. So they were from home. Mom said, no, I think she's coming on her monthly. And I said, oh, I said, Wow. Would you, I said, how do you feel about that? You know, with permission, you have to touch on topics that are delicate. So I asked her, I said, how do you feel about that? I said, is it okay for us to make a board? You know, and I asked the student, do you want a board about that? And she said, yes, she would not. So we made a board. And to me, that board has been one of the most, um, I guess it touches me as a human, but as a woman too, um, how she would want to express that. And she wanted to express, you know, I have a headache, you know, it's my time of the month, I'm cramping. And so we did all the little mm. things, you know, and she, we did, uh, we worked on it to like show her where it was so she could navigate through it. And then the next month that time came again and she utilized it and it was so like rewarding. Mom almost cried uh, when that happened because, you know, she was telling us, and then, of course, time went by and she's playful. So now she doesn't want to do her work in therapy. So she would go to that button <laughs> and say that she had a headache. Like, do you really have a headache? She would say no. She would laugh, you know. But um, just lots of, you know, little cases like that that keeps inspiring me on continuing to do what I do. Um, I had another little boy. He would like, he had not had a divide. And the warning from the school, this was a charter school. The warning from the school was, you're going to get very lucky if you get anything from, from the parents because they are very busy. They love their children. 
but they have a lot going on at home. And so I think as therapists, sometimes we, that piece of really getting to know that parent, getting to know what's behind, like, how can I help you support this student with all that you're juggling at home, you know? To me, that has been like um, a good thing to talk about to the parents because then you find out like what is the best time what is the um what is the you know what is the best time what is um you know what can what can you do with their time and their schedule so um that one particular mom i met with her we had a meeting over the phone and i remember asking her i said what what's like why Okay, tell me what has worked and what has not worked. So I made a survey out of that. I have a survey now that I give my all my students. I have surveys at the beginning of the year, especially if they're new for the parents. But the ones for AAC is a very individual where I ask, you know, what worked and why it didn't work? Um, you know, what was the obstacle? And so with her, it was the busy schedule, but also because she said she felt apprehensive about, you know, those type of devices and not knowing anything about them mm -hmm. so um she didn't know how to like model she didn't know how what to do so i remember that um the one thing that came to my brain was when i was in brick and mortar we had this little cd at the time there was cd it was called talk t-a-l-k i'm not sure if you um i don't remember the author but it was like a parent program that would teach parents how to facilitate and I remember having it. And so I pulled it, had a CD reader, and I remember downloading some of the forms. I have them on PDF now. So anyway, I shared that with mom and we met and I said, well, this is how we do it. Of course, now everything is modern. <laughs> you go to YouTube, mm -hmm. right? And you find yeah. everything that you, the house. Um, but anyway, so once we had our meeting and we kind of talked about it, um, then she started implementing. And so this is the little boy that, he would get under the desk and when he would get under the desk or he would go um, to walk away from the session. We started putting the AC system and he started joining, he started communicating, but the walking away would still happen. So then one day I told mom, I said, you know what? He wants to walk away. We still had 10 more minutes left of the session. I said, let's make it an activity. Let's make it a board. So we made an activity board that would say, you know, where are you going? So it was like a social little board. <laughs> and so we would tell him, where are you going? And I told mom, take pictures of all the areas where he goes. So we would give him a choice and she would follow him with the iPad, you know, where are you going? So he would have to communicate to us, you know. And still have to communicate. The, yeah, he still had to communicate, you know. So um, that has been, you know, something that, I really treasure. I, I really appreciate all the opportunities. But from each opportunity, I, I kind of apply it with my next student or I try to do something. So on this one, what I learned was that the teaching and meeting with parents and I'm, that slice that I was talking about, I did put that as one of the bullets this morning that, you know, like five essentials that you need to have for AAC or tele-AAC. And one of them is that you really definitely need to make time to meet with those parents before you start asking them to implement because you really want to know. And their their AAC goal, uh, Kim, that's another one too. I always ask and, you know, Todd, I say, you know, what is your AAC goal? Like, 
because they have a different goal. The teacher will have a different goal than the parent. Right. And so right. trying to like bring them together to the same cohesive, you know, cohesiveness in where we're going to go with this system. So yeah, those are some of my stories. Um, but again, I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one thing that I always think of being really important with AAC is your, whatever people call it, the e-helper facilitator, the aid, the person on the other side. How important do you see that as and what's some of like your advice for training and utilizing them? Yes, definitely. Um, sometimes you don't have the parent. Like in the schools, we have those right. eras. Um, I did another presentation on that for another um, AAC, um, not AAC, for another telepractice company this past uh, summer. That was, you know, the request. They're like, you know, we want to find out, you know, how can we implement that? Because we have different paraprofessionals that are supporting our students. In. Mm-hmm. What has worked for me has been that you want to be able to have a training. Like it's either you create a slide set in which you have points and you have resources and short, you know, you don't want to get it to be more than like, you know, four to five slides, but with resources, videos, YouTube, little links, anything that can help in which they can provide that to the person that's going to be working with the student that day. So if you do it at the beginning of the year, that seems to help. To me, that has been helpful, you know, meeting with the parents um, when they're transitioning. Like if they let you know ahead of time, let me know if there's going to be transition. Then maybe we can have five minutes before the session for setup. I call it setup time, you know, so that you can set up your device so that you can, um, you know, talk to them about it. Go over the little tiny things, you know, that we don't have time. Um, to me, what has worked is leave, you have to leave time. You have to leave a few minutes before your AAC session. You have to definitely leave 10 minutes after. And I always, you can incorporate that. And I've told people, you can incorporate that into your IEP. Talk to your IEP, you know, um, team at the meeting and say, I'm going to need consultation time. For an AAC user, you need consultation time. So you utilize those minutes for that. That to me has to work. You know, either you do a beginning of year training and then you set up some foundational, you know, this is what we need. This is how we do it. and then also like with the information, like if you have a password on how to log to the system or, you know, um, to make sure that they they charge it, make sure that all the tools are ready when they need to be. And right. of course, it's not it's not going to work all the time. You're always going to have that, that day where like, no, no, we forgot, oh, you forgot the device today. <laughs> <laughs> if, when that happens, I continue to model, though. When they don't right. have the device, I said, it's OK. I still project from my. You know, I still ask, and that's another one, another pointer. Don't stop modeling. Um, yeah. I think that the word model, and there's so many videos and so many information out there for like how to model for AAC. But to me, what has worked is like follow your students' lead. I have found that to be very, 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 very um, beneficial. You get the most out of a session. Sometimes I've had something planned, you know, like with core. And French and little activities thematic because I love themes. I love core and French and I love all that stuff. So I've had like my little lesson plan and I got everything, all my ducks in a row. <laughs> and then I go. And then my my student, I'll give you an example. This is a recent student. So I'm there, you know, maybe we were talking about a give. It was just recently give. It was my 
I am a content creator too. I create my own content. I have a, a little store that's mostly my hobby um, for teachers, pay teachers. I also add some of those to my website. And I also, for one of the uh, companies for telepractice, I have done content creation also. So anyway, I, I'm doing one of those. It was about give. So we talked about give. You know, what do we give? Besides giving presents, what do we give? We give hugs. We give kisses. We give. So I was we give, we give handshakes. So we were talking more to be into that social, more emotional type of giving. Mm -hmm. And so he was getting into it. But then there was a the point that when he does not want to work, he... um the diagnosis you know down syndrome and so his of course the speech is telegraphic he has a little bit of verbal apraxia and so intelligibility is poor and mostly the device has been used for that to try to improve our goal is that we're going to look up those words that are hard for him to say with his own you know words and mm -hmm. we're going to look at what's hard to to say so anyway we were there trying to do that activity and then um, he will tell me, this is his thing. He said, cat. And it's my cat. You know, when I don't have my background, like right now, um, my cat will come and he will be somewhere. So he'll get a glimpse of the cat and he loves cats. It's cat to either get away from it or, you know, to tell me, okay, this is enough or let's change the activity or he'll say cat. It's a distraction. It's changing the topic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I've been working with him to say, no, let's not say cat. You got to ask me. So I tell him, what do you want to say? Cat is hungry. And I model cat is sleeping. Where is cat? Cat is silly. Cat is sick. Cat is, you know, tired. We go through a lot of things with the cat. So the most amazing thing that happened right before the break is that, and I had that as a goal, that he would initiate a question using the AAC system or his own words, but not just cat and not just cat intonation because he's done that before, but to expand it and to tell me where is cat or where cat we have put it, you know, where cat, where is it? And he went in there and he Sequence through that machine, and he found he even did the you know the is, and I was like, wow, <laughs> where is that? So I would get my external camera, you know, pulling it, and I'd be like following the cat. He's <laughs> under the desk. He's on the table. Then I would pause, and then he would do it again. He did it five times that session. I was like, oh man, this is like the most amazing thing. So yeah, um. Children, I, I tell that. you, I love that. I, yeah, <laughs> utilizing our opportunities, right? Just utilizing our opportunities. So mm -hmm. that's what I mean when I say follow their lead. Their lead. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. it, that has been essential to me in you know tele AAC sessions or telepractice for AAC yeah. students. Yeah, and I like I love how you talked in your assessment about matching and seeing what fit best with that student. I've seen a lot of schools that it's like this is what we give our kids who have a AAC. You know, it's this they have an iPad with this program, and this is what mm -hmm. we have. And mm -hmm. I love that idea of like trying different things, seeing what works best, and not just leaving those kids with you know a one size fits all solution. 
Yes, definitely. Um, within that guide that I made for tele-AAC assessments, what I have is like, let's try at least three different, you know, programs, being it a cloud program, being it a device itself. Are we looking at a speech and a reading device? Are we looking at, you know, an application in the computer? But we're going to try all three. And then I also like to do like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minute little tiny sessions at least, you know, six, but sometimes nine have really been beneficial. And so give yourself time. I always tell, uh, you know, here, um, SOPs, you got to give yourself time. You know, if they want an AAC assessment done within an initial, you may want to educate the team and say, hey, this is not a regular, you know, assessment. This is a dynamic assessment. It takes many team members because you're going to get information from you know, if there's a visual impairment, you know, professional working with the student, if there is an occupational therapy working with the student, if we have a physical therapy. So you're knocking on their door just the same way you did in brick and mortar, I tell them. You go, you send your forms out, your packages, your interview, you get pair information. It takes time just to gather that packet. I call it the AAC, you know, packet where you have all this information. Once I get that, then I meet with the student and I start my stuff because it makes it, it goes by smooth that way. And then I do those mini. Know what mm -hmm. expect going in a little bit. And then in the mini sessions, because it helps you, it helps you with, you know, knowing, am I going to be using a, you know, active touch that's going to be direct touch? Or am I going to need eye gaze? You know, am I going to need a scanning system? So you get quite a lot of information there. Not just like medical background, but you get quite a lot. I mean, if you get specific, I've developed my own forms, again, based on models from like the date and the body, where I go and ask, you know, tell me how is the student communicating that they're hungry? You know, how are they communicating that they have pain? You know, what gesture, what body movement, you know, or if they have a system, is it a yes and no? You get quite a lot of information that way. So you kind of have like that like a base point. Right. And then are you working with um, some of the AAC companies to provide those trial devices or how does that work? Yeah, for, for us, what I've done for us, I say for us as a, you know, as a whole for me um, and with the companies that I work with, you can do different things. I've done, if I'm, if I trial you know, a speech generating device, then I work really close with the companies. Like I've done eye gaze, even through teletherapy, that takes more time, months. On that one, you really have to prepare your team. That one, if you put a timeline, put a timeline in which maybe you're going to go in there with some suggestions, but the final say, because sometimes you'll get a trial and they're still on those trials. Eventually, you know, they have to go through the funding and then once the funding gets approved, like one that I did, that one took six months for the whole thing to be finalized. The student had, you know, the IGA system at home. So on that, you have to work very closely. You, you really can't do it if you're not contacting these companies that are give, giving you the opportunity to use these devices. Yeah. You definitely have to and learn a lot about funding because funding is different. I mean, some schools are really good and they will tell you, oh, we have funds. You know, if it's something like an iPad or, or if it's something like an AAC app, 
and you know that we can probably do it some have like regions that work with the schools um mm -hmm. like in california they're they call selpas so that sometimes they have a lot of resources through those selpas um so just find out what your you know state offers and what resources are there for your students so that way when you come with your recommendation you have that piece in your report i put it in my reports if this is my recommendation this is the website this is what you're looking as far as the price you put an appendix in your report you know mm -hmm. um so that you can kind of let them know what With you have yeah. yeah and so you kind of do a lot of the homework for them <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. that's but a great yes, strategy I, yeah i i do see when you said came about the the pushing of the devices i think that has been a challenge for me and so the education and training is constant where um the most marketable and when i do my trainings my clinical trainings that's the one thing i tell them don't go with the most marketable aac systems because that's not often what's going to match your student you know right. that student may actually do better from something as simple as you know like scan and select or you know like eye gazing you're not going to know that until you try everything else um like we don't want to set them for failure in the sense that if you go by a timeline if you feel rushed because you have to have a report by a certain date you're only going to do a disservice to your student that's why you have to educate them this is dynamic this takes time you know um i may attend your meeting just to give you some information but we're going to have a continuation meeting this is going to have to you know be uh, re-looked at also looking at um different systems you know don't always also um forget about low technology because people get afraid of low technology they're like you know what well, they want to explore this much they want to do this much even though as providers as slp providers the dream is you want all kids to have an aac device output system if they have aac needs but you know it, it it's not one fit for all there are some children that they do wonderful with, you know, their little notebooks with Velcro and they really enjoy that type of communication. Yes, there's limitations because we have to constantly create. It's not dynamic, but there are some children that will do really well with that and they don't want to have anything to do with, with those devices. And so I think it's exploring. That's when I, when I say three AAC systems, it, it includes low tech, middle tech, high tech. You know, mm -hmm. um, there will be also some that really like signing, you know, they, they've right. been taught signs, yeah. so we can dismiss those as well. The only, the thing with sign language, and I'm sure that you've had many presentations on that, but the limitation with that one is that if not everyone knows the signs, so them. Yeah. right. So the right. way I like to do it is like, let's combine it with the AAC system. So that way, with the AAC system, you you can take it anywhere. You know, they can still use signs, but that way you don't limit. So I do a little bit more education there to educate the families and the teams. You know, we can do multi-modalities, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I had had a family that I worked with before that, you know, the the dad had told me that he felt like all of the SLPs were really pushing using this device and she didn't like it at all. The student didn't like it at all. And she would rather sign. And 
I think. And so I would kind of do like core words and I always had the picture of the core word and I knew the sign for the core word so I could pair them both together. And, and I think it is just that honoring what's best for the family and the client and not being like, Mm -hmm. this is the way we do this. Yes. Yes, definitely agree with that. That is so true. So, um, yeah, so I think just keep respecting, educating, and finding a balance, I think, mm-hmm. when we are pre- presenting these systems. Well, Lisa, I, I, I think we're, uh, we, I could sit and listen to you all day, uh, but I want to be <laughs> respectful to with your time. Um, and I think we're going to have to have you come back and, and talk <laughs> yes. more about what you're doing and uh and also talk about you know working with students who are bilingual uh you have so much information to share and we really appreciate that uh so we we do appreciate you joining us how how can people reach out to you if they want to be in touch or ask a question of you how can they contact you Yes, they can contact me. Um, my, you know, email that I use for my website. The website is called Speech and Language Therapy Cafe. Um, I have it through Wibley. Um, my TPT store is um, also Speech and Language Therapy Cafe by Ling, which is my initials, Lily's middle name, Idalia Nolasco Garcia. And then they can also do um, Speech and Language Therapy Cafe at gmail.com. Wonderful. Great. Wonderful. Well, we will definitely have you back on soon. And until then, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. That was Lelise Nolasco Garcia. Thank you, Lelise, for joining us on the podcast. You can check out a lot of what she's doing over at speechandlanguagecafe.weebly.com. She has lots of great materials and resources and I'm sure all of us need more resources about how do we deliver AAC services through telepractice. And that's what Lelise is such an expert at explaining. So go check out what she has to offer over on her website. And with that, thank you for joining us for this episode. This is our first episode of 2024. So happy new year to each and every one of you. And Kim and I certainly hope that this year brings you nothing but hope and happiness and prosperity and joy and all those wonderful things. We have some really great things planned for the podcast. We want to continue to expand and do some new things. We will have our 200th episode, as we talked about in the intro, coming up in March. We're very excited about that. We couldn't have done that without you, our listeners and subscribers. So we really appreciate everything that you do for us. And this is why we do what we do, that we love this podcast and we love doing it each week. And we love the feedback we get from all of our listeners. And until next time, Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.